Hello, and welcome to the Coastal Church Audio Podcast. In this weekly podcast, you'll be inspired and equipped with the power of God's Word to live an overcoming life. This morning, we're going to be talking about intimacy in prayer. Last week, if you missed the message, we were talking about Thanksgiving, being Thanksgiving Sunday. And if you missed that message, I encourage you to check it out on the podcast, get that message. We had a lot of fun last week talking about Thanksgiving and giving thanks. So if you missed that, go back, catch it online, and stay up to date with what's happening. Today, we're talking about intimacy in prayer and how our prayer life is to be an intimate thing. So our, our text today, we'll have a number of different verses we'll go through, actually. So, but your memory verse, just so you know it on the upfront, because we're memorizing Scripture. Our theme for the year has been devoted, and we want to be devoted to God's Word. And so we have two programs. We have the gold program, where you memorize one verse a month. And then we have the platinum program, which is H&L, whole nother level. And the whole nother level, I know it's bad English, but anyhow, whole nother level is one verse a week. And today it's Revelations 3.20. You'll find it in your notes. Pick a translation that you like, and that's our verse for the week. And uh, you can say with us as we memorize scriptures. This past week, Cheryl and I, we went to see a movie called Gravity. And maybe you've seen the movie, but it's kind of an interesting story. Not a lot of actors in it, really just two actors in it. But in the movie, this uh, actor plays the role of Dr. Stone, and this is a lady in space, and she gets lost in space, and she goes kind of from one space station to the next, and she's trying to get back to Earth, and, the, and there's been debris that has knocked at all the satellites, and it's a catastrophe. It's, it's a mess, and she wants to get back to Earth in the worst way, and uh, she's in one of the capsules at one point, and, and she goes to pray, and, and you hear her say these lines, nobody taught me how to pray. She's in a desperate situation, and she's calling out to God, and she doesn't know how to pray. And at the end of the movie, she lands on earth, of course, and she looks up and she says, thank you. I don't know if she's thanking God, but that's the way I took it, that she was thanking God that she made it back home safely. It's not so uncommon for people to want to know how to pray. And oftentimes we're looking to pray when we're caught in a bad situation. And, and that's cool. God's there for us. We call upon him and, and he saves us. But I think God wants more than that. He really wants us to have an intimate relationship with him. As Corey Ten Boone says, God's not to be our spare tire. He's supposed to be our steering wheel. And uh, sometimes we just use God as a spare tire. I'm an emergency God. Can you bail me out? And we kind of put him back in our trunk. And then when I need you again, God, I'll call you. And, uh, but our relationship with the Lord is supposed to be and can be so much more intimate than that. And that's what we want to talk about today, this intimate relationship with our Lord. So uh, the first point I want to make with you is something that... I don't know if you dealt with, so maybe I might be the only one on this, but if you can relate to it, that's good. Just track with me. But sometimes when I pray, I have been wondering, is this God the Father speaking to me? Is this Jesus speaking to me, or is this the Holy Spirit? Should I be talking about Jesus about this, or I talk to the Father about this, or do I talk to the Holy Spirit about this? And, I'm, and then some, I've had this crazy thought. You probably haven't thought this, but I had this crazy thought. Father, are you okay? Because I've been talking to Jesus quite a bit lately. You're all right with that? Like, you guys are all okay with that? Like, I've kind of talked to one more than the other, and I kind of, and I've kind of, like, I, I don't know about you, but the Trinity is still a mystery to me. I, I, and I don't know if I'll ever figure it out because I'm very finite, and nothing really can fully describe something to us that can't be compared to anything. The Trinity is a mystery, but our hearts get it, but our mind goes tilt, tilt, tilt. That's... That's another generation. That's when we used to play 
uh, what's that machine called? Pinball, you know, and the pinball machine would go tilt, 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 and sometimes my mind goes tilt, tilt, tilt. I don't understand the Trinity, but my heart gets it. And there's this different comparisons for the Trinity. There's, you know, the mathematical definition of Trinity. It's not one plus one plus one equals three. It's one times one times one times one equals one. So God is one. So I kind of get that, but that fully doesn't help me understand Trinity. And then there's the example of H2O, water. It can be a gas. It can be a liquid. It can be a solid. And, uh, but all three are water or H2O. So that, that kind of helps me. But at the end of the day, it's a mystery. It's beyond our natural understanding. I do know this, that God wants us to understand him. And so he reveals himself, and he is three in one. He is God the Father. He is God the Son. And he's also God the Holy Spirit. And he comes to reveal himself to us. The neat thing is, is that each one of them have their own personality. And you can know the Father, you can know the Son, and you can know the Holy Spirit. I, I don't know how to explain it, but I'll try my best to put it into words. Sometimes I just know that it's the Father talking to me. Because it's a daddy. And Paul told, tells us in Romans 8, 15, that we are adopted. And uh, we're adopted and we call him Abba, Father. Abba is not dad. It's even more endearing. It's like a little child calling him Papa or, or Daddy. It's, it's this very warm, endearing, safe name. And so we get to call him Abba or Father because you and I got adopted into this. And we get to call God Father. And that's intimate. It's not God up there in the cosmos. Can you help me? I'm stuck in a space station. I mean, God's more than that. He's, he's intimate. He's, he's warm. He's endearing. It's Abba Father. And sometimes I just know that I'm, I'm, I have the Father speaking to me. And then, then there's Jesus. Jesus is our brother. It says that he calls us brothers and sisters. He's, he's called you his sister. He's called you his brother. And there's times I know I'm with Jesus. And he is king of kings. He's lord of lords. He's the bright and morning star. He's the alpha and the omega. And for all eternity, Revelation says, we will worship him. And I, I worship him today. And yet, he says, I call you friends. Wow. Isn't it something he would call you friend? He, he wants to be our friend. And he wants an intimate friendship relationship, intimate father relationship and intimate relationship with Jesus, our brother, our elder brother. We're adopted into the family. And then there's this relationship with the Holy Spirit. And we can commune with him. Our prayer as a Christian, our prayers are Trinitarian, not Unitarian. And that separates us from other religions because it's not God, amen. It's God the Father. It's Jesus. It's, it's the Holy Spirit. Ultimately, all prayers end with the Father. The whole thing is to bring us back into relationship with the Father. So all prayers end up there, so to speak, whether you're praying to the Father or to Jesus or the Holy Spirit, all prayers end up there. God the Father is head of the Trinity, and we, we see that in different scriptures. So ultimately, everything comes to the Father. And I don't think he wants us to be tripped up on that to prevent us from being intimate. There's this very unique relationship that we have with God through the Father, Daddy, through Jesus, our elder brother and Savior. There's an intimacy there. And then there's this intimacy with the Holy Spirit. 
I really didn't have that in my life until Jesus baptized me in the Holy Spirit and fire. And there was a day he filled me with his Holy Spirit, and he was always there, but it was like the Holy Spirit just kind of came flowing out of me. And he talked about this in John. He said, if you believe on me, like the scriptures say, out of your heart will flow rivers of living water. This he spoke of the Holy Spirit, who had not been yet poured out, but he was. And so it's almost like the inside, in your spirit, the Holy Spirit flows up outside of you. And so we have an intimate relationship with all three of them. Uh, I want to give you just one verse. I put lots of verses there in your notes, and we won't take time to go through all of them. Jesus got criticized because he called God the Father. Up to that point, nobody called him Father. We are very unique as Christians because we call God Father. That, that it's, makes us different than other religions. We, we don't just call him God. He, no, he's, he's Father. And he got criticized for that. You have that verse there, John 5, 18 and 19. Uh, I gave you another couple verses there. Uh, Matthew 6 talks about when we pray, we pray to our Father. We ask our Father in Jesus' name. That's one of the roles of the Father is to go and to ask Him. We worship Jesus. We commune with the Holy Spirit. The Father has a very unique role that we ask Him in the name of Jesus. Uh, one verse I like is Hebrews chapter 2, verse 11. That's the one that talks about the brothers and sisters. Can you find it there in your notes? So now Jesus and the one He makes holy have the same Father. That is why Jesus is not ashamed to call him his brother and sisters. We have a spiritual DNA. You have the DNA from your mommy and your daddy, but you also have a spiritual DNA when you're born again, and you have the DNA of your father. And Jesus has the same DNA, spiritual DNA. So we call them brothers and sisters. This is what makes it intimate. Uh, and then, of course, we have the Holy Spirit, and we can know him, commune with him. Look at it. There's a number of verses. John 14, 26, the Holy Spirit is your helper. He's your teacher. And when you have a, a relationship with a teacher, don't you talk to your teacher? Wouldn't you, if you want to be taught, you'd say, teacher, can you help me on this? The teacher, Holy Spirit's our helper. Holy Spirit's our counselor. So we can say, Holy Spirit, man, I really need your help here. Holy Spirit, can you teach me? I don't understand this. So I can commune with the Holy Spirit. He's my teacher. He's my helper. I have a relationship with him. And he teaches me. He guides me. He's my guide. He will show me things to come, Jesus said, so I can talk to the Holy Spirit and commune with the Holy Spirit. Can you, can you show me? I don't understand this. Can you reveal it to me? I can commune with the Holy Spirit. And it goes on to say here in 2 Corinthians 13, 14, the amazing grace of the Master, Jesus Christ, the extravagant love of God, notice the Trinity here, the grace of the Master, Jesus Christ, extravagant love of God, God's love for you is extravagant, and the intimate friendship of the Holy Spirit be with all of you. This is a salutation in Corinthians, and that's the same thing for us. And, and Paul would say to us at Coastal Church, the, may the love of God, this extravagant love of God be with you, this amazing grace of our Lord, and may you have an intimate friendship with the Holy Spirit. This is, a, this is Christianity distilled. This is 101. This is us having an intimate relationship with our God through the Father, through the Son, and the Holy Spirit. So let's cover a few points here this morning on intimacy in prayer. One, intimate prayer is a love affair. A love affair, a love affair with God. I love that. First uh, John 4, verse 19 says, we love him because he first loved us. Maybe you had this happen to you in school, in grade school, where somebody slipped you a note 
and maybe a friend said, hey, go give this to that person, and all that says, you know, so-and-so likes you, Susie likes you, or Tommy likes you, and they first sent you the note, and your heart goes, oh, wow, they like me, wow, what do I do with this, and you're all excited, or somebody gave you a Valentine's card on Valentine's Day, and they said, I love you, not just I like you, but I love you, and you go, oh, wow, they love me, and you're kind of like, well, what do I do with this, and you're excited because they love you. Well, God wrote you a love note, and he said, I love you. He made, God made the first move on you, and he says, I love you. He wrote a book about it. He sent his son to show us how much he loved us, but he loved us. He first loved us. There's an interesting story about responding to love, especially love that's been waiting for us, and I think God waits for us to respond to his love. Apparently, it's a true story. You can find it in a book called The 50 Most Romantic Things Ever Done. Sounds like a good read. And, uh, but this lady gets on a plane, and she's flying on the shuttle from uh, Washington to New York. No, let me get this right. She's going from New York to Washington. She goes New York to Washington. She gets on the plane, and as she's on the plane, she sits down the guy beside her on the other side of the aisle. She goes, oh, that's a handsome guy. And she, she flies a little further, and she goes, that's a really good-looking guy. I, I, I'm kind of attracted to him. And he looks over, and they make eye contact, and a few sparks fly. And uh, they fly a little further, and they keep looking at each other. Nothing's ever said. They're too shy to say anything, but they keep kind of looking at each other. And she's saying, you know what? I, I really like to, like to get to know this guy. Who is he? She's curious and all this. And, uh, and then they get off the flight, and she goes to the taxi lineup, gets her cab, and she looks behind her, and he, he's in the lineup behind her. And she goes, oh, man, do I talk to this guy? Do I say hi? He should say hi first. She's going through all these different thoughts. And then she gets into the cab, and she looks out the back window, and he's running after her. And she goes, oh, stop the cab, stop the cab. And he says, I can't. I'm already merging into traffic. And so she whips out a, a card out of her purse, and she writes her phone number on the, on the back of it. And she sticks it up against the window, and she's hoping that he'll see it, but the cab drives away. And he's left standing there going, oh. Well, she goes to her business meeting in, in uh, Washington there, and she has her meeting, and she can't get this guy off her mind. Who is this guy, this Mr. Man? I, I think I fell in love on the plane, and she's thinking about all this. And, and so finally, she says, I'm going to just excuse myself from this meeting. I, excuse me, I'm not feeling very good. And so she leaves the meeting, and she goes back to the airport. And she says to herself, you know, he's probably like me, just doing the day commute. He'll be taking a plane back to New York, so I'm just going to wait here and, and meet him. And so she waits. All day long, she waits. Finally, at 9 o'clock comes the last flight back to New York, and she goes, oh, that was kind of stupid. And so she gets on the plane. She's flying into New York. And she says, oh, how crazy was that? What was I thinking? Am I, am I losing it? Thinking this, oh. And she's kind of really discouraged. And she gets off the plane. And she walks out of the gate. And guess who's standing there? There he's standing. And he turns to her and says, what took you so long? I've been waiting all day. And today they're married and have two kids. And so the rest is history. But he was waiting there. You know, there's this intimacy has this, I'm responding to love. And the Father reaches out to us. And I think for some people, when we find him, it's like, oh. and the Lord just says, I've been waiting. I've been waiting for you. I've been wooing you. I've been looking for you. And sometimes we have sparks happen in our spiritual life before we just really commit to him. We look back, and that was a spark, that was a spark, and he wants us to enjoy an intimate relationship with him. We love him because he first loved us. Before you say, 
I love you, Jesus. He said, I love you, David, or I love you, Susan. He said, I love you first. Shell reminds me that she said, I love you first when we were dating, and it's a bit of a debate, but I give her, I think she did. And I found out, guys, this is a bonus material for you this morning, but I found something out. This might save you some pain. I don't know, but uh, after 35 years, you learn a few things. And one thing I learned is that you need to say, I love you to your, your wife or your spouse, your girlfriend, on a, on a daily basis because it evaporates within 24 hours. I, I don't know what happens, but after 24 hours, you have to start all over again. You have to hit the reset button and say, I love you again. Because I tried this. You know, I, I said I love you a week ago. And said, no, no, it doesn't work. I, every day. And, and it has, you have to be genuine. You, you can't, it has to be real. It can't be just, okay, I get this over with, check it off. You can't, no, it can't be that. It has to be creative and new and a text or... Or it has to be fresh. It can be said with a rose. It can be said with, it can be said just out of the blue. It can be a text. I'd missed it a few times. So one day what I did is I, I got her phone. I snuck her phone and I put in, you know, a repeating occurrence, nine o'clock every morning. And she still gets it every morning, but it doesn't work. I mean, it works, but not quite the same as an authentic good morning. I love you. So uh, it's good to repeatedly tell your, 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 your loved one that you love them. Uh, I was praying one day, and I was thanking God for the amazing day. We've had great weather lately, and walking along, I said, God, what an amazing day. And then I, I said, very personally, I just said, Lord Jesus, I love you. And then it was quiet for a bit, and then he spoke in my spirit, and he said, it's been a long time since you said that, David. You know, when Jesus speaks, or the Spirit speaks to us, it's, often not long-winded. God's a very good communicator. He doesn't have to say a lot, doesn't have to repeat himself. He, he, I find that he speaks very kind of powerfully simple, and you get it. And I just, I got it. I thought, oh, Lord, you're right. I have been praying a lot. I've been talking to him, but I hadn't just stopped and said, Lord, I love you. Have you told him lately that you just love him? Not asking for something, not tagging it on, just, just because you love him. You see, prayer is an intimate thing. Prayer is a love relationship. This, is, this whole thing's a love relationship. This, this book is a love letter to you. Sometimes we've, we've reflected on our old love letters that we, Cheryl and I wrote each other. And we still write love letters. We, we write love cards. And, and I find that if we don't have that, the intimacy leaves. The, the romantic fire leaves our relationship. And your romantic fire, if I can use that word, leaves with God if you don't express your love to him. And guys, I found another thing that really will quench the love life is if you're ever ashamed of your wife in public. Or you... You know, it's, it just kind of takes it out. The flame goes down. I made that mistake a few years ago, quite a few years ago, and I've never tried to make it again, you know. Uh, but, and, and likewise, if you're ashamed of the Lord in public, it quenches that intimacy. Jesus said, if you're ashamed of me before men, I'll be ashamed of you before my Father who is in heaven. Paul said, I am not ashamed of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. It is the power of God unto salvation. I am not ashamed of him. Whether I'm in public, whether I'm in church, or wherever, I am not ashamed. I am an intimate lover of the Lord Jesus Christ. At one point, now he's later on in his life, he's in prison, 
He's written two-thirds of the New Testament. He's had great accomplishments in his life, a lot of success. Paul, a great leader, an amazing man in so many regards. But near the end of his life, he says this. You can find it in Philippians. He says, oh, that I might know him and the power of his resurrection. After all these years, from his experience on the road to Damascus, all his travels, all his journeys, all his successes, the kings that he's talked to, the audiences that he's had, everything that done, he's done. And Paul's an amazing. He's a, a general of the faith. Do you know what he wants to know? He said, I just want to know Jesus better. Oh, that I would know him and the power of his resurrection. Is that, is that where we're at? Do we just, man, I want to know Jesus. I'm stripping away. He said, I count all things lost. I'm actually, actually, his language is a lot stronger than that. I call all things dung. If you're from the farm, you know what the dung is. I call all things dung, that I might know him. He's so hungry to know him. He wants this intimate, continual relationship. And our hunger for God is so keen, so related to our intimacy with him. So number one, intimacy or intimate prayer is a love affair. Number two, intimate prayer is found in friendship. Now, this is really cool. I don't know about you, but I think it's pretty cool that Jesus, King of kings, Lord of lords, we'll worship him for all eternity. He's alive today, resurrected from the dead, but he wants to be my friend. Now, sometimes you might have your Facebook and you wish somebody would friend you and they don't friend you. Long before you had Facebook, long before you had Instagram to likes and all the rest of it, Jesus was saying, I want to be your friend. Let's not take that for granted. Intimacy is based on friendship. Intimacy is based on relationship, a friendship of, of, of that caliber. The verse we have there is Revelations 3.20. I mentioned that is your memory verse. It says, look, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hear my voice, open the door. I will come in. He's standing at the door and knocking. Okay? Jesus is knocking. He's standing at the door and knocking. And we're, we're wondering, if somebody is knocking at the door, you're wondering, what do they want, right? Somebody's knocking, what do you want? So the question would be, Jesus, uh, you're knocking, I hear your voice, what do you want? Does Jesus want to come in and inspect your house, make sure it's clean, make sure everything's in order, you got all the dust gone, is, you know, are the towels nice, is everything, is all the chrome shined, is everything, is the floor vacuumed, I want you to do a little inspection here, does he want that? Does he want to come in and, uh, uh, I don't know, what, what, what do you want, God? He stands at the door and knocks. You know what he wants? Let's read on. I want to come in and share a meal together as friends. What's Jesus' agenda? What's his agenda? To have a meal with you as friends. Wow. It almost is hard to believe that the creator, the, the creator visits the created and says, I want to be your friend. That infinity visits finite. That God would come to us and say, I want to hang out with you. I want to be in a relationship with you. He stands at the door and he knocks and he wants to come in, have a relationship with us. There's an interesting painting, you perhaps have seen this, it's painted in the 1800s by Holman Hunt, and it's a famous picture of Christ as the light of the world. It's a picture of the Lord wearing a crown of thorns, standing outside. 
the fast-bolted human heart patiently knocking and calling. The original hangs in Oxford, and there's a life-size one in St. Paul's Cathedral in London. And was first displayed, the critics came along and said, there's a problem with your painting, Mr. Hunt. There's no door handle on this door. And he said, you're right. It's intentionally done that way. The only door handle is on the inside because it represents that God does not force his way into your heart. If he forced his way in, that would be a violation. If somebody forces their way into your house, you go, hey, wait a minute, what do you want? He doesn't force his way to inspect your house. He doesn't force his way into your life to even have a relationship. What kind of fellowship would you have over a meal if somebody forced their way in and said, hey, I want to eat with you? You, you, you would back away. It would scare us. But he, he doesn't scare us. He doesn't violate us. He stands and he knocks and he says, hey, I want to come in. Now, interestingly, this verse is written to a church. Sometimes we use it for people that don't know God, and it applies there as well, but it's actually written for a church. And they had become kind of lukewarm, or not kind of, they were lukewarm in their faith, and he's standing and said, I just want to have a relationship with you. Be hot or cold, make up your mind. But I would like to have an intimate, hot relationship with you. Can I come in? Will you allow me into your life? So he stands at the door and he knocks. Why don't we hear when he knocks? That's a good question. Sometimes we don't hear because we're distracted, right? Have you ever stood and you knocked on somebody's door? And you know they're in the house. You see the lights on and you hear some noise. And you say, oh, come on, I know you're there. Answer the door, come on. But they don't answer the door. Why? Because, well, maybe the TV's on really loud or maybe they're playing a game and they, they just can't hear the voice because they're, they're distracted. Or maybe that the kids are running around and they're screaming. And have you been there? Also, you go, hey, is somebody knocking at the door? I think some, did somebody get the door? I think there's somebody there. Likewise, in our spiritual life, we sometimes miss his voice for intimacy because we're distracted by other things. And we, we, we can't hear his voice speaking to us. It's possible that could be happening. Intimacy has this devotion attached to it. And to hear his voice, you have to be really just kind of fully focused on him, not on other things. Intimacy is lost if we are half in the world and half with Christ. There's an interesting story that Michael Jordan tells in his book. He had written a book called Driven Within. And his president of the NBA Charlotte Bobcats, Fred Whitfield, he was at his team, or at his place, and he asked Fred, hey, can I borrow a jacket? We're going out. Can I borrow one of your jackets? And Fred said, sure, it's in the closet. So he opens the closet door. He looks in the closet door. There's a whole bunch of Nike stuff. Then there's a whole bunch of Puma stuff. And uh, Michael Jordan says, oh, boy, I got a problem with this. So he takes all the Puma gear out, all the clothes and runners, everything they had, because Michael Jordan had a contract with, with Nike, so he gave him lots of Nike stuff, but there was an, another player since retired who gave him all this Puma gear. So he takes all the Puma gear, he brings it all into the living room, lays it out all nicely in the living room. Then he goes in the kitchen and he gets a butcher knife. He comes back with a butcher knife and he cuts up all the Puma gear, just shreds all the Puma gear. Then he puts it all into a big garbage bag, he goes out to the dumpster, he comes back into the house, and he says to Fred, his president of the Bob, uh, Charlotte Bobcats, he says, don't ever let me see you in anything other than Nike. You can't, you can't ride the fence. He was really passionate about it. 
you are a Nike man. You're my president. I'm endorsed with Nike. There's no other way. And he's passionate about it. You know, I think we need to be sold out Jesus person. And I think the Lord said, you know, strip away the other thing. Are you in love with me? Are you in love with the world? Make up your mind. Because if you're lukewarm, it makes me vomit. I want you. He, he desires intimacy is when we're sold out to him and we're not ashamed of him. We passionately follow him. And the richest Christian life is when we're intimate with him. You can have enough Christianity just to make you miserable. And that's where he's like, oh, I'm a Christian, but I'm not sold out for it. The richness of the Christian life comes when we're intimate with him. Uh, there's other reasons that we could mention why we could lose our intimacy or not hear him knocking. We're too far away. We don't know him. We're afraid. <gasps> Jesus is knocking at the door. Do I answer it? In our world today, in our culture today, we know that there is a lot of misinformation about Jesus. And if you follow what's said, and if you believe everything that's written on the internet and so forth, you go, I'm not sure I'm going to answer that door, because I'm not sure who this Jesus is. That's why we have Alpha. That's why there's other programs like that that clearly explain who Jesus is. And when you find it, when you do your homework, when you do your diligence, and you study the scriptures, and you get something like Alpha to help you, you realize, wow, this is true. He really does set us free. He really does love me. There's not another agenda. God just wants an intimate relationship with me. We're drawn to that. We desire that. And he, he really desires our intimacy. Number three, intimate prayer is a conversation. It's a conversation with our Father. Conversation with the Spirit. Conversation with our Lord. Jeremiah 33 says, Verse 3, call to me, and I will answer you. That sounds like a conversation. I'll show you great and mighty things which you don't know. We could give you other scriptures for that as well. When we are in a conversation with somebody, we, we use their name. You know, if, I, if I'm talking to, to Cheryl, I say, hey, hey, Cheryl, what about this or what about that? But sometimes if you've listened to people pray, they kind of use God's name like a punctuation mark. And uh, it's kind of a sign that maybe you're not really understanding that he is right there. He's present. Somebody had written about this and they gave an example where God's name is used as a quotation mark or punctuation. The prayer would go something like this. Oh God, we thank you, God, that you come into our presence, God. God, we need you today, God. God, will you help us, oh God. God, we look for you today, God. God, will you be with me today, God. And we could fall into that where we're just kind of using God's name. And it's good to use his name. And God looks on our heart. It, that's where he looks. But sometimes if I, if I spoke to Cheryl that way, I said, Cheryl, it's going to be a great day today. Cheryl, Cheryl, would you go with me today, Cheryl? Cheryl, she said, Dave. I'm like, okay, I'm right here and, uh, and just be real. And I think in our, our conversation with the Lord, we just need to be very real with him. The Bible says he, those who worship him must worship in spirit and in truth have this intimate relationship with him. Uh, you know, oh boy, time is evaporating. There's a lot more notes on the city and on the app. You can pick up more notes there. I could tell you more about how to hear his voice, what his voice sounds like, but we'll give that to you there. Number four, intimate prayer is trusting God's words. Trusting his words. Prayer is, about, I mean, intimacy is about trust, and we trust his word when he speaks to us. John 10, 27, 28 says, my sheep hear my voice. They hear me. I know them. They follow me, and I give them eternal life. They'll never perish. Neither shall anyone snatch them out of my hand. Take a minute to look at this verse for a second and note something. 
when does it say he gives them eternal life? Let's go back and get the verbs. My sheep hear. So first they hear. Then they know. Then they follow. And then they give them eternal life. But as I was studying this, it says, my sheep. You know, he calls you his sheep before, he even, before you have eternal life. What's that a sign of? That's a sign that he's loved you long before you loved him. He has embraced you long before you embraced him, long before you heard him, long before you followed him, long before you were intimate with him. He was intimate with you. Wow. I'm so attracted to Jesus. I long this to have, I want to be like Paul. Just, God, I want to know you more. Life has ups and downs. Life will throw you curves. You can be in a place where you feel on, like you're on top of your game. There can be times you feel like you're in the lowest of low. But he will never, ever leave you. If God before you, who could be against you? The greater one is with you. And there is a strength. This is what, again, makes Christianity so powerful, is we have this intimate relationship with him. And it comes by communing with him, trusting his words. Oh, my time is slipping away. Number five, let's wrap this up. Intimate prayer, it's private. Intimacy, just by definition, is private. And our intimacy with the Lord is private. Psalm 46.10, be still and know that I'm God. Be still. There's times we just have to kind of push away and come into his presence. Put aside the distractions, come into his presence. Matthew 6.6, 6, but you, when you pray, go into your room. Now, it could, be, it could be your room, it could be your closet, it could be your car, it could be the shower, it could be a walk down Stanley Park, but whatever's a secret place for you where you can just be intimate with him. Then it says here that he'll reward you openly. How cool is that? If you seek God first, he said, all these things will be added unto you. The richness of the Christian life is having an intimate relationship and prayers conversation, an intimate relationship with him. Hmm. I want to go back to one other verse here. I need to just read it. Just feel his nudging to read that. Go back to number three, intimate prayers of conversation. We'll end with this. This is out of the Message Bible. Great verse to end up on. 1 John 1, 3 and 4. John's writing this. Now, how many know John was a pretty passionate follower of Jesus, right? He was, uh, he was the one that... Uh, Jesus uh, had just amazing relationship with him. Uh, he, he loved the Lord so much. A lot could be said about John, but look what he says to us here. We saw it, we heard it, and now we're telling you so you can, follow closely, you can experience it along with us. Experience what? This experience of communion with the Father and His Son, Jesus Christ. Our motive for writing is simply this. We want you to enjoy this too. Your joy will double our joy. John was saying the greatest thing I get is we have this amazing communion with the Father. We know God. Just don't know... I just don't know about God. I know God. I don't just know about Jesus. I know Jesus. I commune with him. And my greatest joy is that you could experience this too. Because if you have this, whew, you are more than a conqueror in Christ Jesus. Thank you so much for listening to the Coastal Church Audio Podcast. We hope that today's message has inspired you to live a life fully devoted to following Christ. Be sure to check out our website for other ways to watch, listen, or share this message. 
For more information, go to coastalchurch.org.